Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Buenos días a todos. Feliz viernes 21 de septiembre. Ya casi se nos va el mes. Um, Alan, es, vamos a ser tú y yo. <laughs> It's just me and you and Kevin. Uh, Edgar is flying back from um, California. I, saw, I yeah. know, yeah. So he's uh, he wanted to make it to the show, but um, uh, unfortunately, uh, his flight got delayed. But uh, whatever you are, uh, Edgar, we are missing you right now. So uh, welcome to Latino Founder Hour, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we are here uh, with a great, um, a special uh, person today. So she is Alexandra Satarain. Uh, is that is that how I spell your name? And how how do you pronounce your name, Alexandra? Yeah, that's perfect, actually. Satarain. <laughs> oh, Satarain. Perfect. Satarain. Sat yeah. Satarain. Where where did that come from? So I am from Mexico, 100%. My dad is from Mexico, but apparently the name comes from somewhere in France. Oh, nice. Very cool. All right. Well, Alexandra, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I really appreciate So this space is made for all those... Um, people that are uh, entrepreneurs that are like uh, opening a business, starting a business, or they have a business established, but they don't know where to go. They have an idea and then they don't know how to evolve that idea. So um, uh, you have a great story. I am very, very impressed with your story. And then, but before we go into the, the good um a story about eight. Um, I want to. I want to know where Alexandra is coming from. Where are you from? Where you grew up? And um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, definitely. So, I I grew up in Tijuana, in Mexico, actually, um, <laughs> my whole life until I was eighteen. Um, and I grew up there with my parents and my two siblings, and went to school in Tijuana. Um, and then I actually moved to Monterrey, Mexico to go to college. So I did a bachelor in communication science at Tecnológico de Monterrey. In Monterrey, I was really lucky uh, to attend that school on a full scholarship. And then after my wow. graduation is when I finally moved to the States. So I moved to New York City. Wow. Um, and so that was, that was how I, I got here. Um, and since th that time, um, it's obviously been a journey, uh, which we'll talk about. Yes. Wow. New York City, huh? And then, uh, I mean, a young Latina in New York City. <laughs> so how was, what was that like, uh, like uh, for you to move? Like what was the impact uh, for you to move into uh, this big city? Yeah, I, I actually, I love New York. And I think I'm very lucky to live in a city that has so much diversity I think that it made the impact be less impactful. Um, I had actually lived during my years in college. I did one year living in, in Miami, right outside of Miami, Florida, um, uh -huh. which was great because there's a big Latino community. Um, but, but New York is different because in New York, you really do find, especially for me being from Mexico, you find a lot of people um, from, from Mexico. And there's a huge community here. Uh, you find all the great food and all of the great snacks and, and things that you may find if you were if I was back at home in Tijuana. Yeah. Um, and I always loved New York. So since the first time I visited, I knew that I wanted to live here because of its energy um, and the diversity of, of people's backgrounds and, and professions as well. Uh, there are many industries. And so it's very exciting as a place to live. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, as you said, like very many industries. So I see that you uh, specialize in marketing and then, and then to strategize and, and then make that execution for early stage companies. Is that where, where you uh, realized that you wanted to do what you do right now? 
Yeah, so I actually realized I wanted to be in some sort of communications or marketing role when I was much younger. So Mm -hmm. I was probably in eighth grade, uh, which was called Secundaria in Uh Mexico. Um, And that's when I realized that I had this kind of passion for communications and and from the visual side and from the verbal side. um, And I asked my mom, what I had to study in college to do that for a living. And she said, well, you wow. could study communications. And my mom, who is a, a doctor, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't oh, wow. very happy you know, yeah. that I would go into one of those degrees that people spent tend to think are not going to give you a good career. Um, yeah. But I was really passionate about it. And so I knew since then. And so when I went to college, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And, and then obviously as I entered the actual workplace, it evolved and I understood what the profession actually was and what were all the different routes that I could take. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since I moved to New York and I got my first job after college, I started doing marketing for, for different, all different types of companies. Cause you know, when you're starting, you kind of take the job that you have to take because you need a job. So you exactly. start making your, your way up and polishing your, your career as you move forward. Yes. So I see that you're very young. You're a very young Latina. And uh, I feel like I'm not going to ask your age. <laughs> but for the picture, you, you, you seem very young. And then um, I, I just want to see, like, who was your inspiration of uh, doing what you do right now and in a, such a short age of, of time? So I think definitely the people that are closest to me were probably the most inspiring and, and the ones that had the most impact. I grew up with both parents who had their own careers. My dad didn't go to college, but he built his own business. Um, and, you know, that was very, that was more common many decades ago um, in, in Mexico where people kind of have these these journeys and these stories. My mom was as a doctor, um, first in her family to go to college uh, and from her siblings, right? And, and, and I saw them build their own careers and work really, really hard. And I think I just absorbed that. And I, I always knew that that was the type of life I wanted to live and, you know, work hard and kind of build your dreams. Exactly. Um, but then as I started moving into the professional world, there were a lot of people way more detached from my own life that wouldn't stop fire me. I always was inspired by people like Oprah Winfrey. I always thought, wow, she's so amazing and so smart and she built an amazing career and she inspires a lot of women um, that it was always kind of my role model career. I, I always look at her and I'm so amazed by what she does. That's amazing. And definitely when you have that role model at home is is much easier to, to understand what you're going to do in life and what's uh, that defining moment in life, right? Definitely. And I think I was really lucky. My parents were always very, very supportive. Um, any crazy project that I wanted to to start, whether I was 12 or 18 or when I started my own company, they have always been supportive. They have never doubted me. They have always been there when it's gone well and when it's gone bad. And, and same for all my family, you know, in Mexico, we're a huge family. So, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins. And I think that helps a lot to, to give you the confidence that, if you are to fail, you will always have this amazing network of people that would care for you and love you no matter what. And that's at the end what I think we have as Latinos that is so unique. Exactly. This sense of family that doesn't matter if you fail as an entrepreneur or if you succeed, right? Mm-hmm. You will still be the dumb kid that would eat at your abuelita's table on Christmas. Like exactly. that it's nothing changed when you go back home. Yes, definitely. So tell me what a crazy uh, story or uh, project can have a 12-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I, I really started having crazy projects. I think when I entered um, what we call secundaria and then preparatoria right in high school, uh-huh. I started getting very involved um, in a lot of activities in my school. And we would do fundraisers um, for immigrant homes. And one time we oh, did wow. a, a drive, a clothing drive for um, an immigrant home. We, we had a professor when I was in high school who was very involved in the immigrant cause because obviously I grew up in the border, so there was yeah. a lot of that. Um, and we, we did a pants raise where we raced uh, hundreds of pants for immigrant men and women uh, who were stuck at the border. And we would just come up with these ideas, me and my friends, and then we would do it, and we would go to every single classroom and fundraise these, these oh, things. Amazing. And then we would, sell, we would sell things on Valentine's Day to raise money for something else and for our own graduation parties and for you know to help our parents with expenses and... 
it was it was always just I was always finding a way to get involved in something. And I think that that was probably the entrepreneur in me already showing up yes. in the early days. Definitely. Yeah. So, so you said you you were exposed to to these uh, things happening in life, uh, like growing up. Like, what was uh, happening around you? And then, because you were in the, in the border, so uh, you as a as a young Latina, you are expired. You are the inspiration of a lot of uh, Latinas. Like a lot of Latinas right now in this country have like a, a huge um, a potential of growth, uh, but. We don't have those mentors, those, that um, that inspiration that brings you in where 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 we want to go or where we what we want to be in life. So it's very important that uh, as a young uh, professionals, as young Latinas, uh, we find like mentorship. Um, Do you find like any mentors like uh, growing up? I think when I was growing up, it was probably not a a formal. Um, shape of, of mentorship, I certainly found in my own family members or a lot of professors throughout since when I was in high school and through college that were, um, I think, very inspiring professors, both male and female. Um, and that was helpful because you, I think a, a big part of the role of a mentor is giving you the confidence that yeah. you are moving in the right True. direction, that you're smart, that yes. you can do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I actually entered the official workplace, I was very lucky to have amazing managers and bosses who uh, really helped me grow and who I learned from. And I worked at really small companies in my two previous jobs before I started my own. And I got to learn directly from the founders of those companies about how they were doing things. So it was It was, in a way, this um, mentorship that was happening as I was actually being employed by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, I have my my co-founders that are like mentors to me in different areas where they are strong and I am weak. They are my mentors, and I can go to them and, and ask for advice. And, and now, after years, finally, of being on this in this space, I think I have finally formed for myself real mentors around me, finally some women mentors that are in in my space as marketing professionals that have more experience than me that I can reach out to and that will be there for me. Um, But it takes takes a while. And I think when you're young and like you're saying, there are a lot of young Latinas uh, that are very smart, that are getting very, you know, they're educated, that are going to college. Um, It's okay to not have those relationships in a very formal way when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, just make sure that you're out there surrounded by the right people who are believing in you, who are motivating you, mm-hmm. and you will find the relationships as you get older. Um, it, it takes time to formalize something like that. Definitely. Well, talking about uh, smart Latinas, I mean, you were, you were, uh, recognized by Forbes. Uh, you, you you were on, on their list of uh, the young professionals making an impact in the consumer technology industry. So tell me about that. Yes, that happened in, I think it was 2017. Mm-hmm. If I remember 2017, correctly. wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a list that Forbes puts out every year. Um, recognizing people in different industries, so that was that was definitely an honor. It was just a, you know another stamp in, in in my career, but hopefully just one of the first ones. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, what what was that for you for your family? Your family must be like, Wait, what? That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I I think that. Um, for me, I've been asked this question before and I would say nothing really changed because, um, you know, you're so trapped into building a business totally, day to day yeah. that, uh, you don't, I don't know, it's almost like you don't realize, um, how it can look from the outside. Um, but you know, you just continue working on, on what you're building and a business is full of struggles. And so you're so focused on that. Um, my family obviously was proud. My friends that have, you know, been my friends for all my life, um, but, It's it's hopefully one of many moments of pride that I can bring back to them. Yes, uh, I mean I I bet yeah, I'll, I'll be I mean I'm so proud of you. <laughs> just just having a Latina <laughs> like that and and then just looking up uh, to to women like you is is, is just amazing to see um, the growth and then the capacity that we have to to do so many things in in this country. So um, you said something about. 
uh, family working hard and and then work hard is it's like the key of success and then you have to put the time you have to put it's a process opening a business or creating something or having an idea how was that for you like you had an idea and and what happened yes so Actually, my husband had an idea. So okay. we are four partners that founded the business. Uh-huh. And my one of my partners, and uh, my back then when we started Boyfriend, Mateo, he uh, had an idea because he struggles with sleep. Uh-huh. Um, he has something called restless leg syndrome. And so restless legs is this feeling and urge to move your legs. Um, without any reason, you just feel like you need to move your legs and it tends to present itself during the night. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to understand why some nights were worse than others. Uh And this was, you know, like five or more years ago, he started tracking his sleep with other devices, trying to understand what was happening. And he realized that there was no product that he could use that would really work for what he wanted to discover about his sleep. And so he thought, why don't we just build it? And so yes. he um, he saw this opportunity in the market of using technology just like we were starting to use it for autonomous driving cars or we were using it for smart thermostats and smart lights and obviously smartphones and so many other things mm-hmm. that we were bringing technology into to help our lives be better. He thought, let's use it for our sleep. Our sleep is very important. And that's what started everything. He he has been an entrepreneur before. He sold a couple of companies before. And so he connected with another one of our partners who is the engineer that developed the product who had also been an entrepreneur. And so um, a lot of entrepreneurial people around me. And I think that that's what bound us together. Then they invited me to take care of that marketing side that was my background and said, yeah. well, we need someone to come on board and sell this product to consumers. And I quit my job and moved to San Francisco, and we we started the company. Awesome! That's amazing. Like, I mean, uh, you probably had a lot of uh, uh, things going on on your head, right? It's just like, okay, so I'm going to quit my job, and then we're going to start this, and um, we're going to make it happen. How how yeah. would how would that that process? Like, you got to San Francisco, and you're like, okay, so now what? Yes, I I think it was probably because I was young that I was naive and I thought that we that it would be easy yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or easier, right? It just you know when you're when you're young, oh, you yes. think that you can eat the world and everything's <laughs> yes. going to figure itself out. And so I was I was very excited by what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believed in it. I had seen them work uh, through it through the idea for a couple of months. Um, they had already shown it to a few friends who wanted to invest some money in it. And so there was some uh, small traction. Um, and so that uh, gave me a little bit more certainty that, um, that we could make it happen, that it was not a complete risk. Um, obviously, any business has a lot of risk attached to it. And then having the partnership of other three people who have your back. Um, You know, I was the youngest of the four. So when I was leaving my job, I didn't have a lot of savings that I can rely on. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you have to think about and having the partnership, talking about that, explaining what needed to happen for me so that I could actually make the move. There's a lot of these things, which is why, Mm -hmm. um, at least in in Silicon Valley, right, investors prefer to invest in companies where there's more than one founder, Mm -hmm. um, because there's a camaraderie, there's a team, there's a group of people that are helping each other, especially in the early days. Yeah. So uh, like raising money and, and then finding investors, how how was that? Like, what was the process? Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are uh, in that stage of, of their uh, business, of their idea, and they, they don't understand this part. Can you tell us a little bit about these um, investors and raising money for, for this idea? Sure. So I would say that not every business will need or should raise money. There are a lot of companies or businesses that are able to uh, be profitable from the early days. Their business model doesn't require uh, that type of capital or that can get away with a smaller loan from a bank. So if you don't have to raise money, I would say don't raise money (laughs) Uh because obviously it's for a different type of business. I think in our case, we're building a high-tech 
high growth mm-hmm. uh, company where um, we are at, at the core developing technology and it requires big investment that obviously we couldn't put out of our own pockets. And so we fit the model of a Silicon Valley company. And that, that means that we can go to investors that are used to uh, giving money to these types of companies and show them our business model and our plans and, and get some money from them. It's not easy. I think it's very, mm-hmm. very, very challenging. Um, I'm lucky to have uh, co-founders who have been through that process before multiple times. And so they were familiar with what the process would be. And the challenge for us when we approach that process, which I would think is a challenge for many Latinos who, who are going through that, is the lack of an existing network. So when we first uh, started raising money early on, just from what we call friends and family, it was mostly coming from our real friends and family and mostly my co-founders friends and family. So they had a lot of friends who they are only Italian. There are three Italians and I'm a Mexican. And Mm -hmm. they have a lot of friends who were already working in technology, were already working in Silicon Valley. Most of them were employees at other companies. And so they had enough you know, savings and some side income. And they were also working in an environment where it was normal that even though you may be an employee at a company, you're not an institutional investor. It's normal for you to give a company some money here and there. It's it's in a way their own investment strategy. Mm -hmm. And that is very interesting and and, and only happens in very few markets in the world. Um, And so that helped them. And then as we try to expand from raising money from some of these Italian friends and family, it became harder because they were not people in our immediate network and they were not people who knew us and they, we didn't go to their same schools. We didn't, you know, English was none of our first language and there were a lot of other barriers, right? We were not as directly connected. And that is, I think the biggest challenge that any entrepreneur would face if you're trying to raise money because you need to have a network and then after your network, you need to start building a completely new network and try to find a way to break into it. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I feel like uh, um, there is a lot of uh, businesses that don't need uh, to raise money and then they can be profitable uh, in yeah. the early uh, stage in, and then in uh, just like the explanation that you gave us is just perfect for everybody that are just listening to us. Um, uh, technology takes a, a little bit more of, of time, process, money, a, a lot, I will say. And yeah. um, so uh, tell us more about your team and then how everything just got together and then, and, and then to uh, start... Um, uh, this company, and then um, tell us about eight. Um, how the, the name? Why eight? Like um, how? How can you explain more about that? Sure. So I'll start with the name um, eight. We call the company eight because eight is in connection to the eight hours of sleep you should get every night. Um, I'll give a bit of background of what we do at the company. So eight Uh is a sleep technology company, Mm -hmm. and what we do is we use technology as our weapon to solve the problem of sleep deprivation. So we are basically building through technology the best products and solutions to help people sleep better. That is what we focus on. And our signature product that is our best-selling product and the product that we're best known for is our smart mattress. So we developed technology that embeds onto a mattress, like a regular bed, a mattress that we all sleep on. Mm -hmm. And this technology allows you to better understand your sleep and maximize your recovery. It has some capabilities that a regular mattress doesn't have. And we develop this technology, everything about it, and also all the software behind it and the all of the algorithms and the machine learning that needs to happen for the sensors to actually tell you how you're sleeping and tell you your heart rate at night and your respiration rate um, and many, many other metrics that are important if you want to maximize that recovery time. Wow. And so that's why eight is connected to the eight hours of sleep. Wow, that's amazing. That, I mean, I I'm gonna look into this because I I'm one of the the people that goes around the bed for hours before <laughs> I get to sleep and and then wake up a lot during the night. So um, 
Uh, so this uh, better understanding your sleep. I am amazed just to say that. Like, how can how can a technology uh, understand how you sleep and how you react? So um, I'm gonna go uh, through an ad, um, and then and then you can explain more uh, about that. Okay. Perfect. All right. So, uh, CPA Dude, where accounting is never boring, their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, text messages, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. <laughs> find, in, find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. So... Wow, I am uh, so a, a metric is my metrics is going to tell me how I sleep and and then it's going to understand like everything about my sleep. That's what you're saying. Correct. Yes. So the technology that we use is um, what we call health grade technology. Mm -hmm. So essentially, we have. Um, sensors that are part of a top layer on the mattress, and these sensors are called piezo sensors, and they pick up uh, signals, like if it was a microphone. Um, it mm. picks up a lot of signals, and really the magic of what we do is the algorithms that are able to identify from this signal the, the different uh, metrics. Uh, we identify your heart rate, your respiration rate, your movement when you are in bed, when you're not in bed. And so that allows us to understand the different stages of sleep you're in. Wow, that's amazing. And just a question, what's the price point on this? We start our mattresses at $699 wow. with the technology. it's not bad at all. Yeah. For uh, for knowing like how I'm sleeping, I like oh definitely uh, invest in something like that. So uh, this is this is amazing information. So what are the the pros and cons of uh, a Latina in this industry? Like how can you explain that, um, uh, especially in this country? Um, I I would say there are all pros. Of course, there are a lot of challenges, but I I, I think. At least for me, it's very exciting to think that um, that we can represent our community in an industry where already women are underrepresented, Latinos are way more underrepresented. I believe mm -hmm. we are the smallest, uh, the smallest minority um, in in tech, and so um, it's it's exciting. Um, obviously, it's sad to think that there are not more of us um, in the industry, um, but. Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of pros of us getting involved. I think that there are many technological solutions, just like the one that we are building at eight, yeah. that are going to completely reshape the way that we live our lives from, you know, from our phones and, and all the things that our phones uh, do for us to the products we sleep on, to the clothes we wear that are going to be embedded with technology, to the way our doctors interact with us, to the way our social media tracks exactly. our our behavior And if we are not involved in building these these products, uh, someone else will determine them for us, mm -hmm. and so our voices won't be heard. Right? It's it's just like getting involved in our communities and in politics, getting involved in building the future of our lives is super important as well. Yes. So uh, I mean, I'm assuming like every time you stand up, and then I mean, you're the uh, advertising, the marketing part of of uh, eight. Uh, when you are advertising this, and then they they see you as a one of the the four partners in in this in this company. Uh, what do they What do they think? Like, what what did what did people? What was the approach on people? About us being um, yes. from you know not not American. Yes. Um, I I think there's obviously there will always be challenges. I think the most challenges come uh, feeling like you don't belong and actually not belonging. Right. Like when we started, we felt it. It was much harder because we we didn't have any pre-existing networks of people that were in positions of real high power in our industry. And so we had to build that ourselves. Um, I think if I had been doing it alone without my co-founders, it would have been even harder because I had less years of experience in, in, in business and I didn't have those connections. And so I, I think that would be really hard and I can relate 
to people who are going through that. Um, I think once you reach certain points um, in your career, that it almost becomes an asset to be different. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. there is something to uh, making sure that it is part of your identity, that people know that that is a key part of who you are. Um, and we should always be proud about making that part of our identity when we when we talk about ourselves and we introduce ourselves. And, and that is actually helpful because in a sea of entrepreneurs, they will remember the Mexican female entrepreneur that they met. So yes. I almost make it something that is, is an asset. Yeah, totally. And then like, uh, when, when, when did uh, eight started? We started in 2014. 2014. So it's pretty young. And then what, what is the, the revenue projections? Like how, how's the company doing? Uh, we don't share our revenue numbers because we're a private company, yeah. um, but we can share our growth. So we, we have, last year we tripled our revenue growth from the previous year. Wow. Uh, and we're on track to do the same again this year. So we're, we're definitely a fast growth company. Yeah. So only here in the, in the States or you guys are like going um, global? We only sell in the United States right now. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. So what are what are the projections for, for aid uh, in the future? Like what do you, what's the idea on taking um, aid? Hopefully taking it global and having every one of the beds in the world be embedded with our technology so that our technology can help people make the most out of their sleep. That would be my dream. If, yes. if we can really give people the best night's sleep, Um, and achieve something that no other sleep or bedding or any product like that is really doing right now, um, that would be success. Yeah. So can you tell us about like these uh, uh, revolutionary like platforms? Like how how do you uh, invest like your time on like searching and seeking like uh, information? And then the te- technology is always like moving and changing fast. So how, how you guys do it on on that part? Yes, as a company, we definitely use a lot of technology in every single area. It's crucial for what we do, um, even just building a team, right? Everything is now processed through platforms for um, for hiring and, and, and recruiting the best talent and, and finding them wherever they are in the country. Um, specifically for my team, where we do, we're t- we take care of all the sales and marketing of the brand Um, technology is very important. Marketing is now so data-driven mm-hmm. that it's all driven through analytics platforms and understanding day-to-day and almost real-time what is happening with our sales and what channels are coming from and how our investments in different channels are, are working, what ads, what messages, right? There, there's so much that is happening through the lens of technology now. Um, that I didn't even learn about when I was in school. So it has changed really fast. Yes, I, I believe that. So uh, you mentioned something, your team uh, and the talent that you bring in, like uh, how is that form? And then like at the early stage, how can you form a team that is it's successful? And uh, how can you bring new talent into into your company? One of the things that we learned during the time that we were in Silicon Valley was Um, the the focus that so many uh, entrepreneurs have on hiring the best people and what they call A players, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. referring to you know the best players. And certainly when you're a small company, it's hard to attract great talent um, unless you have you are a proven entrepreneur from you know previous success, then then it may be easier, but it, it's hard and so you need to make, Um, to make sure you're attracting people who are joining you because of your mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is usually the best way. If they, if, if they are really attracted about your mission, they really believe in what you're building, um, then it's not about how much money you can offer them or how big and nice your office is, but it really is about joining you and building that product together. Uh, you, obviously, you will make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, especially when it's your first company, Um, or for us, it was in our case as founders, it was our first hardware company. None of my co-founders had done a company in, in hardware and consumer electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to learn about what roles you will need, um, what, you know, what level of skills, how do you vet for those skills yourself? Because you, you're not paying a recruiter. You're not, you don't have an HR person to do that for you. Exactly. So you need to learn it yourself. 
And then you need to interview these people. You need to be able to convince them to join you, to leave maybe more comfortable jobs that they may have. Um, and, and then you need to manage them appropriately so that they are getting value out of the opportunity as well. So mm-hmm. definitely hiring and managing people is the hardest thing to do as an entrepreneur and also the most important thing to do because your vision is only as valuable mm-hmm. as the people who are working on building it. Yes, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. And, um, and then also like bring in that people that uh, have, that is going to bring that value and have the same vision of growth. And then it's going yeah. to live, eat and, and, and then love the brand like as much as you guys do. So, um, yeah. I uh, like like I said, I am very impressed uh, with um, what I I read about um, eight. And um, so, uh, tell us uh, more about how uh, you guys are like planning for the future. So, planning for the future is hard when you're a startup. There's I, we do a lot, <laughs> yes. that a lot. We have a lot of those conversations because. You have big dreams, right? You have this really long-term vision of where you think your technology can go and what picture of the future we want to be a part of. Um, And we, at least in our case, we do planning a year ahead. We know where we want to be. We know what products we want to launch. Right now we are working on um, the second generation of our smart mattress, which is going to launch um, very soon. And oh, so wow. that is a lot of the focus of what the team is doing. Uh-huh. And then we know what next product we want to do after that. Um, but it's hard to, it's hard to concretely imagine totally. um, where, where we will be in 10 years. You know, it's yes. exciting because you feel like you're building it together with all the people that are here with us, uh, giving it all. Yeah, and it's definitely growing organically, like you said. Like we need to focus on what is going on right now, and then the 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 product that is coming, and then the innovations that that you guys are bringing uh, to eight, and uh, yeah. and then see that slowly grow eventually into into something uh, big. So um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yes, I um, I believe that uh, all these companies are like uh, they want to they want to do go grow big. Uh, eventually, like uh, you grow as a as a huge company, and then then you bring all these employees, um, and then at the end you you don't know what to do with with all these employees. So it, the the best way to to start and then and then grow slowly is to to see what you have right now and then and then to take it um, easy and then and then see what um, what's going to bring up like tomorrow not too too further into the future. So how many employees do yeah. you guys have? We're 30 people. 30 and then you are like uh, around the whole scope of uh, the um, the United States uh, and or you are based in New York. We are based in New York, and we have a very small team in China who works in our technology manufacturing. Okay, so so what what is that like a uh, connection with um, with the manufacturers? Like how how do you get that um, uh, connection with them? Yeah, that was a very interesting experience that we went through because we actually had to move to China. I didn't, but my wow. co-founders did for months. Um, they went to live there. I think one of them was there probably for six months total. Um, and uh, they moved there for months and they were on the ground figuring things out, meeting people, trying to recruit a team um, of people who were local, who spoke the language, who also had experience in manufacturing, which we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And our team that is still with us, uh, who works for us in, in China, they have been with us for almost three years now. They have worked with us since the launch of our first product, and now they are working on our, the launch of our, of our next generation of our smart mattress. So it's very exciting to, to still have them with us, and uh, they have really seen us grow from the early days to, to where we're now. That's amazing, and and I think that the the context uh, that you have in a in an early stage and then growing uh, a company it's very important. So how do you guys uh, started that connection with with this um, with these people in China? Uh, what was that like interaction of we want to do this and um, 
how do how do you guys went into like finding the right people to to get uh, the best team into your into your company? We we had some guidance from some entrepreneurs who had done hardware manufacturing manufacturing in the past, mm-hmm. which was really helpful. So they were able to give us some guidelines and direction into what are the best practices and what we should consider when we go to China, what we should look for. Um, and and yes, I think initially when the team first, our team first went there to try to search for uh, local manufacturers, it was done through some pre-existing uh, connections and then. Just by being there, I think you learn a lot directly from the manufacturer. We already knew what our product would be and what the architecture of our product and the technology, and we had prototypes. So that was easier because then we would just present that to the manufacturer and 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 tell them that that's what we needed. Um, and that was a, the starting point. We we didn't develop the technology with them. We just manufactured it. So we already had very clear ideas of of what we would need from the from the actual manufacturer. That's amazing. So um, I'm going to uh, do another ad and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how uh, it's the uh, the shipping from overseas uh, to the United States um, from from this company. Uh, give me one minute. And, uh, Perfect. All right. So. Today's ep- episode uh, of Latino Funder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a disconstructive PR subscription service that generates effective visibility for your business. They offer com- comprehensive PR service and Publicize becomes a member of your team and can promote multiple PR announcements monthly. Check them at publicize.co and tell them that Claudia and Edgar sent you. So, um, Alexandra, uh, how how is uh, how's it, like this part of like manufacturing something overseas and then bringing it to the United States? How like what is the process? I don't know a lot of the details because thankfully I don't have to deal with that. But yes. I can tell you it's definitely hard. There are a lot of moving pieces. Yes, there are a I lot of things so. to consider. Um, it takes a very long time to get the products, you know, on average four weeks um, from when it leaves China to when it arrives to the United States if you're shipping it by boat. Um, it's very expensive to ship it by air. You need to consider the dimensions of your packaging because then that will determine cost and how much your product weighs and even how your packaging will resist to the transportation. The certifications are another thing to consider when you're doing certain products that have um, uh, that need certifications in the pro- in the countries where you will be distributing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very interesting process the first time we did it because we we kept being hit by different roadblocks and challenges that we didn't expect, yeah. and we just had to solve them. And it delayed us a little bit here and there, but um, you have to go through it the first time around to then be be more knowledgeable the second time. And I would say that if your business is growing and you can afford hiring someone who's an expert for it, that definitely helps. And Mm -hmm. if not, there are always other people and especially entrepreneurs who have gone through it who are willing to help. Um, And you shouldn't be scared to ask for help. Yes, I, I mean, I bet this is a a really uh, hard step, and and then especially like bringing stuff from other country, and then I mean from China, I don't think it's, it's that hard because um, uh, that uh, we do that uh, very often <laughs> with them. Yep. But um, so, what's the platform of like distribution when the product gets to the United States? So for us, once it hits the United States, then it goes to our uh, warehouses and it waits for a product to be sold. We sell our products mainly direct to consumer on our website, 8sleeve.com. Okay. And um, the moment that someone buys it, then the product ships to them out of our, of our warehouse. And we also sell our products, obviously, on Amazon, which most companies now do. And also we work with Costco. So oh, we are awesome. available on Costco.com. Yes, that's amazing. So 8sleep.com uh, uh, for uh, everybody that is having a hard time sleeping at night. Go check them up. Uh, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you use the product yourself? 
I do. Yes, yeah. I've been using it for since the very first generation, and I'm already using the next product. Oh wow! Uh, which we haven't announced yet. So very yes, I, I have been using it for a long time. Awesome. So, like, how many products do you have out in the market right now? So right now yeah. we sell three different models of our mattress, and um, we also sell some accessory products. So you can buy um, our different models of mattress, which are different comfort levels and come at different prices. And then you can add accessories to complete your sleep experience, like our signature cool pillow or an adjustable base, um, which are all optional. Oh, wow. So and then this is all through e-commerce. Correct. Yes, it's all online. We don't have any retail stores. Okay, and then like if somebody has a question about the product, how how that works? So we actually have a customer support team who okay. manages all inquiries, who is available online. You can just chat with them on our website, and you can also call them, and they can answer any questions and help you pick the product that is best for you. That's amazing. Well, it looks like you guys have like a, a whole great um, a platform of uh, of sales and and then uh, advertising <laughs> with you. <laughs> so, how, what can you tell us? Like, we don't have a lot of more uh, time, um, but what can you tell us about the company? What are you guys doing? Where do you want to go? Uh, what are you feeling right now? What are your like dreams and and then and then just like emotions that you guys have at the moment. We are very excited about a few things that we're working on, some of which we've recently announced. We are collaborating with some universities here in the United States to validate our technology and its power to um, collect the sleep data and the accuracy level of the sleep data so mm -hmm. that we have a validation from Uh, specifically, we're working with Mount Sinai and here in New York City, their sleep center and Dr. Rappaport, who is part of our scientific advisory board, uh, to do an actual validation study through a clinical study, uh, which is very exciting. It's, it's what we see as the collaboration of uh, a technology company and, and science, right? Because we cannot ignore the work that scientists have done for many decades in this field. And we're doing other similar collaborations with other universities, which we will be announcing very, very soon. Um, in other fields uh, with, for the ability of our mattress to eventually detect other conditions, uh, pre-existing conditions and illnesses. So we, we are already as a company exploring the higher potential of our product mm -hmm. that goes beyond just sleep improvement. And that is what keeps us up at night. Very excited to think that eventually our product can, can go beyond just optimizing your sleep and your life and and do something even more than we could have ever imagined our bets to be capable of. Amazing. Yes, well, thank you so much for uh, for uh, sharing with us um, this amazing experience and an idea. And um, definitely, I want to talk about uh, Alexandra. Uh, what can you tell us or uh, those uh, entrepreneurs that are out there, they're like in this early stage of uh, their idea of their business and they don't know where to go, uh, how to start or what to do? Yes, that is hard. I think that uh, read a lot about it. Um, really spend time reading about some of the best practices of the companies that have become big and, mm -hmm. you know, big and profitable. Uh, there are a lot of great books and entrepreneurial journeys. Um, my personal favorite is Shoe Dog of the Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, uh -huh. uh, who did an amazing um, a book about his journey of founding Nike. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, get inspired by some of those stories, which are also going to let you as an entrepreneur understand um, how hard it will be and understand that it is normal when you are having problems. Um, and then the other thing that is important too is just be very passionate about what you're doing. Building a business is not an overnight success. They, specifically in Silicon Valley, they call it the 10-year overnight success because it takes at least 10 years to build something really big and meaningful. Exactly. Uh, 10 years is a long time. So if you are starting or you are thinking of starting something, Make sure you're very committed and you're willing to put the next 10 years of your life into it because it's going to require a lot of, of work and sweat and tears and, and emotional 
toll on you. So you need to really love it um, and be doing it with other people that are just as uh, engaged and passionate about it as you are. Definitely, especially that passion of a, of a product, of a business, of a uh, service is it's what uh, make us going. And, and, uh, and, and it doesn't feel like a, a job, right? It feels like I'm doing something. And then I'm uh, I, I'm finding a need, and I'm uh, helping to fulfill that need. So, um, and it is really amazing what you guys are doing. And and there's a lot of people out there that can't sleep, and uh, that affects uh, your day to day and your life with uh, work and family. So, um, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, we're excited to work on that. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, thank you so much. And then where, where can uh, we find you? Um, uh, platforms like uh, social media platforms, websites? Yeah, you can obviously find me on my company's website. That's where, you know, I spend 90% of my time working. Uh -huh. But I'm on most platforms with some combination of Alex Zatarain or A Zatarain. Um, but I'm sure even just putting my full name, I'll probably come up. I don't know how many people with, with my same name will be out there. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Alexandra. Is anything else that you want to uh, touch on? No, just thank you for the time and the opportunity to share my story with some other Latinos. Yes, there's a lot of people that are listening to us, and uh, uh, this is very helpful. And then, like I said, this um, this space is created for for those that uh, they need to listen to these stories, and um, and definitely uh, finding mentors online, and um, probably somebody you're gonna uh, get somebody calling you and then say, "Hey, uh, I have a question about." something and um and then this is why we're creating this so thank you so much for being with us um and um well uh i'm going to introduce our next um uh our radio network so coming up next here on startup radio network the out uh entrepreneur with host rhodes perry uh rhodes talks about lgbtq entrepreneurs and founders from around the world Thank you, everyone. Happy Friday. And Alexandra, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, you have a great story. And we hope uh, and wish you uh, much success in the future. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardenas. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 